Another episode of Like Dragon Like Sun. My name is Jack Outway. And I'm Jay Outway. And we are a father son podcast talking about all things Dungeons and Dragons. And this week, uh, we're talking about clocks and not, not just the type that, you know, time marches on and all of that stuff, which mm. it does, but we're talking about the we're, a little something different that's not in the actual DD uh, rule book, mm-hmm. but is a fantastic tool found outside of D&D, which is, I think, really, like, the thing we're doing a lot right now. Not just us, but I think a lot of people mm. in the D&D community. We're out, we're looking at other RPGs. And it's not to say that we, we are abandoning our favorite, you know, D&D game by no means. But what we're doing is we're kind of sniffing around, playing a little bit of other things and going, hey, that's a really cool idea. Mm. I'm going to steal that and take that back to my D&D game. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, today we're gonna we're gonna steal some clocks. That's right. Well, what do we mean by clocks? What does this mean? Exactly. Clocks? Do I just put down a little stopwatch on my table, TikTok. a little hourglass? No, it's not that sort of clock at all. It's it's actually more of just a a counter system. Uh, it could be a straight line, frankly, um, but there's something about creating a, a circle uh, on the table that I quite like the idea of. Um, the idea is that you've got a counter system, mm-hmm. and this could either be public for all the players to see or just you private as you as a DM. Um, but you use it as a way to count s- down or towards, uh, count up, I don't know which way you're looking at it, um, towards an event that's going to get triggered, either a large world event or something that might be happening in an encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'll look at a couple of different examples of how this would work and how you might want to use it in your game and how I think it's a really great way to, I don't know, to build, uh, to create that sort of rising tension, that rising sort of conflict feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great way for building active worlds, worlds that are evolving and changing around players. Uh, it's a great way for triggering uh, in various encounters. It's it's such a cool tool for uh, all sorts of of purposes so let's start with uh let's start with it a little bit on the smaller side of things uh using it in an encounter right to begin with sure well let's i mean there's there's many different ways so let's say we're we're looking from the perspective of a gm or a dm right why would you use a little progress clock or something to to track you could do it to let's say a common example because there's already kind of a charging system for a very famous enemy in dungeons dragons sure in the title can let's, you guess let's start it with is the, the dungeon that's right no <laughs> let's start with dragons let's start with dragons and although if this could be used for the dungeon too I, sure I and how. there are many layer effects that could be triggered like traps and so forth on on progress clocks but let's start with the dragon because right now it's recharges every start of its turn i believe it rolls a d6 yeah i like i like um Letting I, I, I like roll. after after the the breath weapon goes off having one of the players re-roll to mm. see if it's a five or six i somehow like everybody likes rolling dice, but then you also kind of put it on the player if they mess if it, up, if it if it, if it recharges, recharges. I'm like, hey, you roll the dice, man, not and me. This system doesn't need to replace dice. Uh, I don't think. No, no. Uh, this is least. this is just another way of keeping keeping track of things, but also again, ways that are more modular than just turns. Or and rounds. I think I think also by putting a clock 
mechanism out where people can see it where as player actions as things are happening or as rounds pass mm. you can see that something is building right that or something that's evolving or that they're running out of time there's like a visual representation of it which i think really brings a bit uh, of tension uh, yeah a little bit more um emotional involvement to whatever you're doing mm. um and we can really then visualize how close is something to occurring, right? I mean, this will get to world, real, like world example, not real world, but larger world, world building examples. World yeah. building examples in a second. Um, but let's say with a dragon, um, we've got like a, a an eight piece clock, and what this would mean is that once eight ticks in the clock have been filled, the event occurs. Now, what is this yeah. event for a red dragon? It would be breathing fire all over the party, a yeah. devastating amount of fire. Um, so right now it's very random. Like you roll hmm. five or six, maybe the dragon gets it back, maybe it doesn't. And the chances it should aren't be, too low. It should be but... one in three. So like it, it basically they're trying to say about every three rounds the dragon should be able to to blast the players. But maybe it recharges a little bit faster sometimes. Maybe you get lucky, it goes a little bit slower sometimes. Yeah, or maybe it could even be t tied to it being provoked or angered. Or maybe you sure. want something that feels more responsive. And and right now, there's no way for you to know, even as a DM, whether next round or not, the dragon's going to get it. Well, I mean, you could just go, it gets it back yeah, if you want you can. to. But then there's a but the, feeling that maybe it's unfair. So or here's whatever, an, a very right? cinematic idea. If the players could see a glowing... Uh, like red heat source in the red dragon's chest nest or, or chest, right? Or, yeah. Which is very common sort of cinemagraphic sort of thing. Mm. And you can see it building and growing as the fire from the dragon is sort of being created inside it, ready mm. to sort of pour out and roast the players. Um, if that if that glow doesn't exist when the clock's at zero, but by the time it gets to eight, it's or more you know the dragon can go crazy and and roast you so yeah the perhaps a number of things may affect how fast it could do that you could just basically each turn um roll a d6 and add it to the mm. thing or a d4 or whatever or maybe every time the dragon gets x amount of damage done to it that adds another point to the clock Mm. or and you can use a combination of various triggers things that you come up with that advance it maybe it gets advanced more quickly if it sees the rogue you know filling his pockets with gold uh people right. staking stuff from the horde or the, someone's stabbing it you know that'll make him angry yeah exactly so any of these different things could be progressing the clock and the players can see that then once you don't have to tell them what the triggers are initially but once they do something to the dragon or to the hoard of treasure or whatever and they see the clock then moves forward and, the, and you describe it also visually as the glow in their chest gets bigger and you could do your clock as uh i don't you could if you be really fancy you could have a a light a dimmable light bulb on the table that you turned up a notch every time till it got super bright i mean you could do this in or by piling more and more little uh tokens uh mm -hmm. on a thing on a scale or something once the scale tipped it had its breath weapon back i mean you could do this however you want i mean the simplest way would be just be to have a little counter if you have a, a whiteboard or a yeah. laminated piece or just a piece of paper or a piece whatever, of paper right? that you're moving like a a marker around or even a line like a ruler that's got marker marks on it that moves it down towards yeah. the end of it. it you could visualize it however 
you want be as creative and interesting. Um, the more I think, obviously, we've always talked a lot about handouts being really fun at the table. I'm a big believer in them. So coming up with some cool clocks for encounters could be a really fun way mm. also. Um, you could have a little picture of, a, you know, the flames at one end and you could just have the, th the you know, Thing the marker moving towards it. Right. Or at the start of its turns, it rolls a d6 and adds that many ticks to yeah. a bigger clock, right? Six, four, eight. These are small increments, but you it, could go I could as imagine, large as 20 or... I could imagine one player you know, trying to negotiate with the dragon hundreds. and it kind of going okay, but another one keep poking it and the fire keeps building and that player's like, just stop it already. You're making it angry. Or we forget the fire. Um, we get to now a social encounter with an intelligent monster or even an unintelligent one. And rather than the players not really knowing how far they're getting with sure. calming something down, maybe you have two visible clocks. One clock is kill and eat you. Other clock is yeah back down work yeah you know, do you the favor that you're that you've come to my cave for yeah or and, flee you know, and and so you, so it also becomes in this sense a way of creating a visual outcome for the puzzle all right this creates sort of like a, um, a way to do puzzles and if you don't like like making characters solve riddles or you know figure things like like you know like a mm. physical puzzle out that these sorts of puzzles are more encounter-based puzzles. Like how do you interact with somebody to move them forward right. uh, to success? And you can visually see when that works. And then you can also see when you misstep. And uh, mm. It's and potentially in. a good carrot on a stick or a carrot slash stick. What, that's yeah. the sort of idea, right? Is if you want to reward player behavior, maybe you've got counters going for unrelated or even directly linked, or it can help those players who maybe aren't so, you know, skilled as understanding, you know, picking up on certain social cues or, or getting, you know, immediate results. Because I feel like there's a dopamine release sometimes when you kill something well, or when you hit something. Or, not everybody's, but maybe success in other areas can be achieved if you've got clocks that sure. help in those areas. When you're not right? always, not everybody's good at talking at the table or doing dialogue sure. or making a role for, for to influence somebody. In just the same way that maybe people have complaints that about like, maybe I'm not as smart as my character is. I don't know how to solve this riddle. Maybe I'm not as charismatic as my character exactly. is. Exactly. So this allows you to also notice things that like, say you were trying to, I don't know, negotiate with some sort of curious trinkety shop owner to get like the hidden, the treasure that's like in his shop that he doesn't really know is a piece of treasure. Um, and, you know, somebody uses a little prestidigitation to clean up. Now, ahead of time, you decide, is that something that the shopkeeper would like or not like? And if it's something they like, then you suddenly see as they, you know, done a, did a little bit of a tidying or moving some of the way that it moved the ticker once. And then before you know it, the whole party is like realizing that cleaning the shop is going to be the stuff that solves it. And you can make, you know, a few rolls in there and a few things, but, you know, clearly that'll start to uh, move it forward. But maybe again, maybe it's a, you, you could cap how many points you get from something like that and how many points you get from something else. And, and then, of course, if they do something in the way, if they moved something they weren't supposed to move, oh, well, now you've you move the I'm getting angry at you clock. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so have the player sort of like experimenting with different actions and yeah. things they can do. And it's just a different way to sort of visualize are we being successful in this or not successful as you sort of mm. see these different counters moving. Yeah. yeah. Um, also useful for GMs because I've seen debates recently on certain D&D forums about tracking hit points, right? The idea that some DMs just track hits or do they just, whenever it narratively feels right, an enemy goes down, right? Yeah. Now, not to say, I mean, hit points can, when granular and there's a lot of small enemies, can be kind of hard and tedious. Sure. We're even a big, 
bag of hit even points. Even a big bag of hit points. Or maybe you still want the idea of hit points, but you still want your enemy to last a little bit of time. Sure. Here's two suggestions on how you can use clocks nestled in with com existing combat mechanics. For little minions, make them two, three, four hit clocks, depending on how Ooh. important they are. Yeah. And once that is filled up, boom, they go away. What if maybe you want more impactful hits to feel like they're doing more? Maybe crits just kill them instantly. Or, sure. you know, damage doing more than a certain threshold in your head does two I often, hit. I often feel minions, points, right? minions or, being one hits in a bigger encounter, especially if you lots, it's fine because you're basically just, the player's at that point choosing to blow their turn on taking care of a minion, getting yeah. it out of the way. And that's maybe true. that's important, maybe it's not. Maybe they're hassling you, they're in the way, you got to get through enough of them. And maybe that's where somebody's got good area of effect or things like that can be smart and use one turn to get rid of a bunch of minions really quick. But you could say have, say you're trying to banish a demon, right? Mm -hmm. There's some sort of something going on in there, they're in the space. And of course the barbarian's gonna be charging in and just whacking at the demon with their battle ax, right? That's great, that can move the clock forward. Um, but, you know, the the cleric's been looking around and it's found a, you know, there's a, summoning circle or there's some sort of religious sort of uh relic that's sort of drawing the power in and could actually be you know do something that affects that and that could move the clock counter forward as mm. well and so then the party's just realizing that in the within the encounter there is a number of ways to move the, the thing forward doing damage is one of those ways but doing other things with your action on your turn mm -hmm. could also move the clock forward perhaps even more so parlaying with certain uh, monsters maybe you know? maybe somebody stops to try and talk to talking it or to and then we start now a counter of de-escalation right yeah or something yeah. like that right um and with the dragon idea like i said that could be two things could be happening one could be trying to talk the dragon out of like toasting everybody and the other guy who keeps hitting it keeps upping the fire in his chest counter going up and you're like stop doing that you're just making it more angry mm. i mean and the question is then are you de-incentivizing or, or punishing players because if you're going to have it so certain actions are negative for the party when certain individuals do something that then negatively affects the group could that lead to them feeling like oops yeah or maybe kind of like because I've had this at my table where people don't act optimally, you know, or act in ways that then end up kicking the, the group in the butt a little bit down the line. And then everyone kind of gets a little bit annoyed or well, frustrated with I think, that one player I think the, who didn't the cooperate. thing about the clock, though, is that no one action mm. moves it all the way one way or the that other. That is true. So you, you basically are telegraphing that the action you are taking is either doing good or not doing good you know it, it's having an effect but not an immediate one so that means on your next turn you can try something different right so if the only problem then is if you have one player who persists at doing the same thing again and again despite visual evidence clearly <laughs> indicating that this is going badly for them mm. and the whole party if they keep this keep going this way um and so then it's a little bit like i said it gives everybody a chance to to make a mistake oops but one oops isn't a problem. It only becomes a problem if it's repeated oopses. Hmm. And there's a learning then at the table, right? We we can learn from our mistakes and grow as characters. And um, and I always believe that it's through mistakes that we often we gain inspiration, um, or that we gain uh, more experience, or that we gain whatever. True. So that you can always balance it with that as well. Or things that I've seen a complaint with something like wild magic, right? That sometimes it's dependent on the DM to say when it recharges, yeah. right? You could make that a clock that begins to build whenever someone casts a spell or just sure. generally over time right you, and again you decide how many how often you want it to go 
haywire for well. them. Right. And maybe when they're lower level, it goes haywire more often as they gain more power mm. uh, less often. But then you could also say, well, the bigger the spell you use, the quicker the clock moves towards going haywire. Yeah, so as higher, long as they're using little, as long as they're using right. little spells, the, the counter doesn't move forward very quickly. Sure. The bigger the spell they use, the quicker it gets to, uh-oh, mm. it's this, I'm, and you can even have them know that their their time is sort of up with it and that at that point maybe you do start just doing a roll each time that they cast um to or see just if it, they it, know the next time they're going to cast it's going to go they can feel it they can feel it that There's i can't i can't trust the next one mm. or that maybe yeah they can make some sort of roll to like maybe hold on to it a little bit longer maybe there's a constitution or there's some sort of like yeah. check to sort of like you know hail mary at the buzzer sort of you know let the dice do some storytelling whether it goes I mean, if you well think or about bad it, or... death saves are kind of this way they're two opposing clocks and yeah. whichever one hits they, three exact, first it's exactly happens. it those right. are three counter clocks each one of those and there's a lot of drama mm. around watching those ticks go up and it changes the behavior at the table right and we try not to meta it but i actually i think at the meta on it is fine that when people uh, players start to see somebody's making death ticks their characters change tactics they disengage from combat they start moving towards whoever's fallen mm -hmm. healing potions in hand um and you know try to to get that person back yeah uh, i, I see fight. in combat as well people will go oh i want to try and do this thing to make it easier for my friend maybe the help action begins adding towards a counter of putting a condition sure. on an enemy or yeah. you know lowering their ac or i want to disarm the enemy or i want to break their weapon or and I then do you as a dm so, can at that point or... also reward um collaborative clever collaborative mm. behavior and advance the clock more quickly yeah um and then players start to see oh when we all work together when we pool our our powers we get stuff done and then that again you're you're basically have a visual way of rewarding players on uh on mm. what actions accomplish things more quickly. I think on the converse side of minions using clocks or just being one hits, you could use clocks to give enemies a little bit more lifespan, right? If you yeah. want them to stick around for the, some important big enemies, give them a clock that is this defensive absorb all sure. of hits or a clever defense that players need to, like some sort of force field or armor set or yeah. layer of defense that players need to overcome first before they can get into actually exactly. harming them. And it puts a it puts a basically a, a puzzle armor around mm. them that the players have to sort of get find a way yeah. to, to disable. You could turn like Strahd's heart into something like that. Yeah. A puzzle. I mean, that kind of already is a heart, puzzle. Itself, heart of Sorrow no? needs a freaking puzzle box around it. Um, last time I played it, I, and I'd never seen anybody do this before, and I don't know why I'd never thought of it. They they just like used longbows from the bottom of the tower. Like I'm sorry if there's spoilers if you haven't played Curse of Strahd, but it's a really good tactic mm. um and, the, and it's, there's nothing to stop it i'm putting a wall of wind in next time that was my like if you saw our wall listen to our wall episode uh, a couple episodes back but mm. um or give it a puzzle or this sort of thing yeah give it a, another puzzle that they you can't have to just, solve the heart can't be just hit with swords and, or well, arrows it, or spells. Like, why it is it why is there i mean there's a few like minion things around trying to protect it but they tend to be up a bit higher in the tower if you're at the bottom there's you know as as written there's nothing down there mm. um threatening you not right away i mean as soon as you attack it's all coming towards you but it's got a long ways to travel so it's a tall tower mm. and and being D D, there's nothing that says you cannot shoot your longbow arrow 
you know, what's the maximum right, range? What's the range? I don't know. 200 feet or, or what's... There's it, nothing against it. It's the longest range of, of any weapon we have. So if you've got longbows, you can hit anything at a... <laughs> and so you can shoot straight up with them as far as you Crazy. can shoot forward. And then that's d d It's... Mm. Um, anyways. What it is. But again, you could put the clock at the start before they can do hit point damage or put it in the middle. Make it a little change up, right? I think that's a way to keep players on their toes. They're fighting 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 as if they're trying to chip down hit points then we switch to puzzle solving mode some of the frontliners you know move back deal with some of the minions that have started to pop up while some of the spellcasters or other sort of utility people begin to solve whatever puzzles now yeah. that needs to get the boss to the point where you can sure. whittle down and, his HP and, and, again, and again, or put it at the very end now people have fought the slog and now this enemy's putting up its final stand you just need a couple more clever hits on it and then it goes down right yeah. a very cinematic sort of finale if, if all the players can get together and get this clock down or if they don't get it in time guess what the boss gets some of its health back and we go back to this phase of combat right things to break thing yeah, combat yeah. encounters up change arenas change situations circumstances well, and, yeah and and you so see your lair can be evolving um we've talked about this as well where mm. each round moves a clock forward sure um and the longer that you're in that lair this, this clock that's ticking the worse the environment is getting around you um things like that also kind of speed up sometimes players who are like okay i don't think we should stay here any longer i think we need to get out like if should we short rest you know you can imagine something where too much say the floor is falling away and being exposed to lava oh well below that's you, yeah short right yeah. and you like click tick and you, each time it ticks over some more of it sort of falling off or whatever mm. and so the players then can see well i've got the clock's got six more ticks in it mm. so do we push it do we keep going as close to the end as we can to try and unlock the treasure chest um and this is a great one for like again we're games are like well all right make a lock pick check oh it failed that's all in and say well then you can't get into it whatever this is like no we just move the, the ticker forward one spot click uh, you can try again next turn, but more floor keeps falling away. And you're like, ah, pick the lock, pick the lock. Don't look at the lava, pick the lock, pick the lock. Don't look at the lava. And, you know, the DC might be getting worse or harder. You're getting more nervous and, you know, and then when do the, does the party decide how close to like the buzzard before they decide to bolt and get out of there, mm. and not die or, or at that point decide, oh, we'll whip out the magic carpet or the whatever. I mean, again, let players at this point get creative, come up with things, but it builds that tension. If you, if they visually can tell how many and i know it sometimes it seems a bit meta knowing i have five more rounds mm -hmm. but at the same time well again there's a sense of things are falling apart we got to get out of here and that sense of danger is escalating it, right? it is and it, it it also removes a little bit of the the mystery as to oh what is, are the consequences is, is, of is the dm going right? to end this in two rounds or in three rounds or how long is this going to go or yeah what's the or, intention or just sort of think right? i'm a heroic character and i'm gauging at the rate that the, the rocks are falling around me that i have five more turns to do this mm -hmm. and the dm could just say that but again it's more fun to show rather than tell yeah you know the click of the clock moving is sort of enough of a way as a dm to sort of say yeah that's working or not working mm. um to sort of help show the story rather than tell the story yeah i mean here's a couple other examples from uh blades in the dark that they give danger clocks like yeah, if we didn't danger. mention earlier blades in the dark is kind of one of the places we've stolen we've this stolen from. this well, not the I mean, only again, place inspired. though no it's um every, i've also concept. i've found this in other places as well um along the way but blades of the dark was the one that mm. we sort of um drew upon for this inspiration we're first we're first touched episode. by it and we're like oh that's mm. a good idea progressive danger clocks like growing suspicion um proximity of pursuers and a chase alert level of guards on patrol you know maybe for a sneak system rather than 
than the first time the paladin fails their stealth check with disadvantage rather than the whole party's cover being blown. Maybe each individual party member has their own stealth clock that's going, right? And then maybe there is a group level alert clock that's going that puts guards on higher alert and gives them bonuses to checks and keeps them or whatever and so maybe surprise is out of the gate but maybe some players are still hidden or unseen or able to sneak around right in certain areas i don't know or you do this with you know you know um let's say like opinions or what's the word for it you know like uh the way that certain communities might see you maybe you're like a standing social standing something like that right um, there's like racing clocks, maybe two group, like you're, you're, the enemies have a clock that's building and the PCs have a clock for like a chase perhaps, yep. and maybe distance rather than representing it on a map. If you don't have that, it could be represented in little ticks yeah. to how, you know, close one group is to success. And if the first yeah. clock to fill up, gets I, I their, mean, their chase, goal. chase mechanics exist in D and D, but they're, they're that could be tug of war as well. Yeah. You, you could, you could add a little bit more fun to them by using, uh, by using clock counters um also makes it a little less linear like i've done linear chase things where you're actually moving tokens Mm. along a line but it feels like that one always feels a little bit like there's a a finish line to it um where if a i don't know a clock system might allow you to go around and around a little bit until you Mm. you pass something um i don't know uh there's different ways you could do it you could use like i said a clock with two hands on it sort of style of things um you know, be creative about how you you take things that you already love and know in D and D, but find using a system like this to visualize it uh, differently for players in a way that that maybe builds a bit more excitement. Mm. And I think the final instance of this, because we've used it for practical things like DMs or for combat or for whatever. I think player goals are also oh, that's a an great interesting idea, and even yeah. beyond just personal goals being achieved, thinking things like maybe you know feats or level ups or things that grow in power rather than i mean milestone is definitely already kind of this idea but it's just when the dm goes all right this one beat has been achieved level up do this do that maybe characters pick out feats pick out making things making items downtime activities and these ticks and clocks don't just happen when a milestone like why do i have elemental adept now that i've helped the local band you know taking care of the local bandits you know maybe i've as a player have chosen to flavor it as gaining more understanding with my fire spells um but what if it was actually tied to me using things in clever and creative ways and trying new things this obviously doesn't work so well if if you're really tied to D &D beyond Mm. and again maybe you know over the last year we've learned a little bit that maybe stepping back from the digital tools gives us more freedom sure um and that yeah you could you can you can offer a player all the players at the table their next level class features in in pieces as they sort of as their various progression clock ticks over as they do certain things they gain uh parts and pieces of their next level of character mm-hmm. and then once they sort of complete the clock and get back around then they gain all the hit points and proficiency bonus and some of that stuff maybe all pops up then as well um i don't know like you you can decide at your table what you know what what sort of works but again the idea be rewarding rewarding characters for growing as characters Mm. we're trying to reward people for especially if you've got players who really are trying to play in character their character and trying to show some character growth if you're lucky enough to play at that sort of table 
um, as they accomplish things that should lead to their, and I love doing this with my characters. I'm always looking at, okay, what would be something they need to be learning down the way and trying to sort of show them mm. trying to learn that stuff and often failing at it for a while before they gain their next level and actually are good at doing it. Um, yeah. that's an, I like that idea a lot. Mm. And clocks could be used for that as well. And the, for short term, for long term, I mean, even if you don't want to go so far as replacing your milestone system with a everyone's individual personal clock, which I can see could be some, you know, maybe some people like a whole party leveling up at the same time, things like that, right? Or yeah. feats and still being tied in terms of balancing power, because who really knows how to balance anything in these games? Um, but something like, uh, I, I think like we even mentioned this in some previous episodes, like the idea that we want to players want to sit down and make an item or craft something in downtime, right? Yeah. They want to achieve a long-term, you know, making project using tools or, you know, yeah. I want to make a spell scroll or a potion or a, this or exactly. that. Why, or don't, a, why don't you create a little, um, a little clock board for them? Yeah. And you could do this with a little construction paper, like stuff that you learned in kindergarten. Swear to God, it's not that hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, each session that you, they, every time they get some downtime, they yeah. can sit and work on that new, you know, have each of them describe what they do and various parts of it. And from that, you move the clock forward or it's whatever a, amount. And... If it's a mega project, then there's a big clock, like there's little six ticks in that. And for each tick, you're going to have to fill out one of these mini clocks, these little, yeah. little things, right? And so we've got our major progress bar and the little subtasks that were kind of fueling our adventure. Maybe the whole campaign is, mm. you know, in order to achieve this next step or do this thing, these smaller sub-objectives that the party even agrees. It could be a shared discussion on what do you guys want to do? Like, okay, yeah, what is yeah. it you want to achieve? Let's realistically, how could we achieve this? And if you've got a sandbox yeah. type campaign setting, mm. this is super exciting. If you start getting players when they first announce, well, I'd like to do this and like do that. And then you sort of set up like these little these little goal clocks sort of thing. Well, that would include this, this, and this. And or this, you could this, even do it in discussion with the players. Right? Yeah. And then, and then from that point, yeah, they, you, you can sort of see what the players want and they can see their progress and they can be chasing stuff and they can be thinking about it between sessions. And it gets that player involvement in mm-hmm. a way. Um, I think that it, I mean, at least for me and people I know, like this visualization, visualizing your goals and progress and stuff, um, really i mean really helps you sort of know where you guys where we where are we as an adventuring party like we're not just mm. somebody's got some notes written down aren't we supposed to find so and so in such and such a village oh yeah what was that side quest about oh i've forgotten where are we on that you know make it so that it's a little bit more visual a bit more easy to, to sort of see and represent um yeah that could be fun mm. for sure i i'm creating a, a sort of big sandbox setting this nebula of madness um Jeff's mentioned a few times it's it's an active evolving world mm. with lots and lots of episodic adventures in it that you can sail around the nebula uh sort of however you want and at the same time there's there's this bigger story going on there's noble houses and big corporations and uh eldritch powers uh all evolving and growing and the question is well how do you how do you tell that sort of bigger story uh that's progressing while they adventure or progressing because they adventure and that the various things that they are you know doing and being involved in is connected to this this bigger thing in this sense that in the beginning that they don't really see that their little actions are having big consequences but gradually begin to become aware that the more they're involved in all of these things, the more, you know, that they're involved in perhaps the 
you know, end of times, who knows? Like, mm. uh, and, and so the idea of having what we call triggered narratives, so little mini bite-sized episodic encounters, maybe with pirates or other rivals or various, you know, NPCs or whatever along the way. But there's like, I've sort of pre-written a bunch that sort of tell the story, the evolving story of, of what's going on <clears throat> in the big story of things. And that is beautifully set, I think, to a timer system that when they do certain things and certain adventures, it moves the clock. Mm. And as the clock gets moved, so this is a secret clock more. This one isn't one that necessarily they can see, um, or at least not at first, but it needs to still be telegraphed somehow. I need to sort of tell them the clock is moving. Right. And that's where they, they trigger various narratives. And at each point of the clock, the narratives get perhaps more significant mm. um, things that they they come across. Yeah. Um, and, and they might skip over some. They might do a few things. And I just, there's no real good point for a one of the other narratives to be triggered in there somehow. So we just, we won't have that one, but we'll do the bigger one that sort of comes later that they've, and just, I don't know. You've yeah, got to yeah, sort yeah. of come up with, you I mean, know, I think like, there's the nebula. what fits. Right. But here's an example for my own setting, maybe that I've just thought up based off of that sort of idea, right? Is plagues, you know, diseases, whatever, big in a Gothic Victorian or whatever sort of, you know, setting that you want to sort of run where there's low levels and high heights and whatever. And there's even, a, I think, um, a Raven Van Richten's sort of setting in Ra one of the Ravenloft domains um, where there's a progressing plague level. Yeah. Right. That things start off okay, and then they progress, and then they get worse, and then they're they're, you know, the outbreak is at its apex, and then it calms down again, and then it goes in these sort of tides that come up and down, and um, progress can even though, in world it's not actually made worse by player action, maybe maybe it is, often it's not, it's tied to the players doing things, so they feel at least that there is. A connection or a correlation between the time they spend achieving certain things and a change in outcomes in the world around them right yeah and i think in terms of there's the micro level of clocks as you know taking away for enemy turns or representing health or you know simplifying certain elements of gameplay or, or breathing new life into different phases of the game it can also be used in the long term right not only for individual player goals and projects but to reflect the living breathing world that is changing that is often too much to understand in one you know scoop yeah but if divided into several clocks you know at certain times we can see how hey meanwhile this npc did this because this happened sure. or so and so and then again the idea that the camera is often on the players and it's a their story but at other times we can see the consequences of what they do and often that can be quite yeah, satisfying I, I love this idea of, of moving the camera off the players or off the characters but allow the players still to hear you tell the story of them of what's happening across mm. you know across space from them like a long ways away what you don't see what your players do, what your characters don't see is that you know as you do this a royal navy you know ship uh, mm. sets out you know looking for an eldritch blah 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 and you're just like and so then the players have this idea of like oh wow there's like there's a big drama out here unfolding 
and we're like this little piece of it and yeah the problem is that the characters could be a little meta about that at some point and you could often say in a situation where your player your character doesn't actually or there's a meta counter if you're being too meta then things yeah and we could do whatever or yeah there's some madness that that comes with you know we've got other stress mechanics that could like kick in we've there's a whole thing about in it in the nebula about knowing things that shouldn't you shouldn't have any ability to know about um that is a thing so you can often work that into it as well Mm. and but yeah with that comes a little space madness whatever at the same time so Mm. I don't know. Uh, different ways that you could, you know, for your own setting, for your own worlds, come up with ways but again, to... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think together. the metagame claim, though, is interesting because I think there's obviously an idea that you want players to act with their character's knowledge and you don't want them to bring something outside. That kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. But then why would you do puzzles not. where you have to require a player to actually know something that their character might not? Hmm. Sure, right. Um, but I think there's also a potential to view metagaming, at least at some tables, as something that... I don't know, it isn't necessarily so bad no. all the time. Uh, I mean, if you want, as we talked in a previous episode about player engagement and getting them into it, right? And I think equipping players with knowledge gives them more ability to yeah. know how to respond to things, sure. right? And even if their character shouldn't really know how to respond to it, I think that kickstart of players using knowledge that they have in the game and feeling like they have suddenly something to do or something that they can provide or, or understand I think is sometimes reassuring for players and who I otherwise think, wouldn't know what to well, say this, to this, the noble of so you, and so or if you doesn't narrate, know the history of this and that right exactly. if you narrate more and more about the world that they're in mm. not just the encounter they're in but beyond where they are so that each of the players gets a bigger and bigger sense of the world so they're not acting so naive all the time they're, these are characters that live in this world they know it as well as as the neighborhood that the players themselves live in right like you don't you don't walk around all day being surprised by what's around the corner like you're like oh yeah i i've been here before i know what's going on I, we try and supplement that with intelligence checks yeah. or history checks or wisdom or whatever it might but be, still players right? often feel that they don't quite know the world maybe as well as right. they could well you can't really possibly it's, ever no. fully know the world and but... especially if you've only been playing for a few sessions so sure. it helps if you can move that camera and show them other parts of the world that you're in. Give them what's more going room on. to play. You know, Give them more sense of how yeah. others are interacting in this world, how others are behaving, how others are doing things, so that they then themselves as players can decide, oh, that my, my character will act more in accordance with this or, or against how Or if you want to bring in out, those choices. outer story narrative beats in ways that feel a little bit more internal then maybe these world events you're describing are seen in a newspaper article the the or, or heard as the town crier shouts them out um yeah in ways that are still in kind of related to what the players are doing in observing or the characters are doing or observing at least that way it doesn't feel like it's something the players know the characters don't but it's something that players and characters learn simultaneously right i mean i don't know those are a couple suggestions but is there any other i i, I think we've gone in on clocks um and i can feel the the ticking on, on yeah. this episode's clock coming we have to our uh, the other type of clock running down um yeah uh we have actually talked about real like using real like clocks at the table too like uh, well there's real time clocks for sure or using like uh um hourglasses and things like that which yeah. can often be a fun way to speed play maybe even using it to combine these two things or, together yeah, every minute or so rather than completely changing things up add another tick to the clock yeah right you can, you can always do that sort of stuff as well um so yeah just you play around with these things uh i think the idea 
that you know we're in a really interesting place with D&D right now where it's a place where mm. a lot of stuff's in flux uh 5e's really well established there's you know a lot to really build on work with there we know that there's you know new rule sets you know being worked on in the background um being play tested things are kind of shifting and changing and there's a lot of people looking at other um you know role playing systems and other you know open gaming uh, licenses and things like that out there right now and I think it's just a fun time to look around for mechanics that are you know cool devices to put on a table and play with and even if they haven't been part of the D&D culture um, that doesn't really matter um, make it part of the D&D culture they're, they're good um, borrow whatever you can out there and bring it back to your name yeah. alright folks thanks for joining us on another episode of Like Dragon Lights and we will see you again